Hey there and welcome to the very first episode of Film Me Up. I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your filmic discussions such as 3D or not 3D? That is the question. I would say not 3D because like loads, pretty much everyone that I've talked to who's seen a 3D film wouldn't see a 3D film if they had a choice. I don't know what it is but it's just... It's fine, and it's it's a good idea as a uh, in terms of technology and where we're going with it. But I'd say it's kind of like VR uh, in terms of like it's good, sort of like a tech demo, but it's just not there yet to be used like widely. It's a tough one, and like if you look at like the uh, the Hobbit films, they were like forty-eight frames per second or something like that in three D, and I went to see that uh, with a friend who was. Very excited about that, and I think he came away and quite liked it, but it just looked like a video game cutscene to me. I don't know, it's a weird one, uh, but 2D, I don't know why you need to go any further than that necessarily. I understand, I do, I, I do understand, but it's it's still almost like a gimmick, and like sometimes it can look good, but most of the time, I don't know, it just looks a bit blurry. So I recently saw Elite Battle Angel in 3D. And that was an advanced screening, so I'm not going to complain because I got in for free. But if I had a choice, I would have seen it in 2D. Just like the best that you can get from a 3D film is it you don't notice it, which is not good, really. Like there was some scenes where you'd notice foreground stuff was blurry or even background stuff was blurry. Um, and you'd only be able to focus on like one specific bit or characters that you're supposed to be looking at. But like in the fight scenes, because you're sort of everywhere, that's where it kind of shines a bit. So like I say, like if you had it for like a short two minute film, that's just like, this is a really good 3D film. Um, then sure that works. But like on a long, for a long feature length film, still not there yet. So maybe give it like, maybe in like 10 years, 3D be good. But uh, nah, not at the moment, not at the moment. So anyway, this week I actually went to the cinema and saw Shazam, which has been out for a couple of weeks, but I only got a chance to see it this week. And yeah, I'm going to talk about it briefly. Uh, there's not going to be any spoilers. I'm just going to talk about it in vague generalities. And yeah, basically it's it's good. It's a really good DC film. Um, it's in the vein of Aquaman, to an extent Wonder Woman. Those three are probably the best three DC EU films. Or Worlds of DC as they're called now. Yeah, I liked it. It wasn't my favourite. Aquaman for some reason is my favourite. I loved it. Like, normally I'd look at plot points and, like, you'd be able to see, like, plot holes and where things could go wrong. Aquaman, I just was... I was in. I was all in. Just sucked all the way in to that deep, deep blue ocean and just... I loved it. I couldn't find it. I couldn't, like, I can't think of any plot holes. Like, I came out of it and was just like, I actually really liked it. Uh, Shazam, I didn't quite have that. It's good. It's very, very, very good. But much like Wonder Woman, I came out of it and was just like, yeah, that's that's a good film. It's decent, well-made. But I can see some flaws in it and it's it's just not quite struck the right chord with me for me to get fully invested in it. But I do like it uh, and it is very competent and it's very enjoyable. So I'd recommend it. I'd say the trailers, they get the tone right. Probably slightly goofier than that, than the trailers make out it to be. But it does have those sort of elements and it. it does have those two sort of like, this is an epic adventure film and the kind of light-hearted... I'm a kid as a superhero sort of thing as well. 
yeah, I'd say the tone of the trailers fits quite well. I'd say like a lot of the gags are in the trailers, which for sort of more comedy kind of elements, that tends to happen a lot. So if you want to try and go in without any sort of spoilers or anything, then I'd recommend not watching trailers. But I mean, it doesn't diminish it. And like if I was sort of like oh, sum it up overall, I'd say it's kind of like big plus Hancock plus maybe the early Harry Potter films, like one and two. So from big, it's kind of like they like obviously you got your kid as an adult. That's what everyone's saying. It's big, but superheroes. And then Hancock, I'd say it's kind of like Hancock because you've got the you've got like a superhero that just doesn't want to do superhero stuff. Um, you see this in the trailers, but like Billy Batson doesn't really want to get involved with anybody. And that sort of comes through when he's a superhero as well. And I'd say it's like uh, like the early Harry Potters because you've got that, like we were saying before, like the chosen one sort of adventure kid slash teen centric sort of thing with sort of like companions that uh, provide some comic relief and stuff and help. It's good. Very good film. I'd recommend it. And I'll be talking more about it in a couple of weeks time because I'll do a, a monthly retrospect of all the films from April. I nearly said March. April. So the first week and weekend of May. I'll be doing that and I'll talk about films from April and I'll go into kind of detail and spoilers and stuff. So, so yeah, so if you're interested in that, then uh, check that out whenever that happens. Well, when that happens. But yeah, the main, the main thing that I wanted to talk about today is it's something that I'd like to call an other time. So basically, I am a big fan of sort of like alternate history sort of thing. So You've got your, like, your Man in the High Castle and Wolfenstein stuff, like what if the Nazis won World War II and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. In like Marvel comics, you had the What If comic line, and uh, DC comics, we've got the Elseworlds. It's sort of like what if Superman landed in Gotham was raised by the Waynes and stuff like that. But yeah, and I wanted to talk about a few things like that in films. So, so these are like an other time, another timeline, another part of history. So basically... As you'll probably have told from the title, I'm going to talk about what would happen if the MCU had not started with Iron Man in 2008, but had instead started with The Incredible Hulk, which also came out in 2008, but it came out a few months later. I don't have the exact release dates. I think it's something like May and August or something like that. It's a few months apart. So yeah, so what if those two swapped release dates um so obviously if that was just the case and they just swapped release dates then there wouldn't be any change whatsoever in fact there may be like some change in the fact that incredible hulk at the moment is sort of like the gingerhead stepchild that nobody talks about or the like weird uncle that is at family get-togethers but you just you just don't talk to him and if you swap the release dates in incredible hulk was first you could almost basically be like we're drawing the line at Iron Man, so Incredible Hulk does not count and is not canon at all. You could easily do that. That would be the case of that, but we're going to put some house rules down and we're going to say that as well as the release dates, it also means that the uh, critical and the commercial reception swaps as well. So Incredible Hulk is sort of lauded by everyone and uh, it sort of re- reinvents the superhero genre in a little way. And Iron Man is just a it's, a, it's a decent film that nobody really cares about, that sort of just came and went. One of the big changes from this, I think, would be the actor who's playing Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk himself. Because in The Incredible Hulk in 2008, 
Bruce Banner was played by Edward Norton, um, who famously split from Marvel due to sort of creative differences, I guess. So that's sort of like the band music thing that always happens. They split with creative differences where there's probably some underlying conflict in there instead. Yeah, Edward Norton would probably still be Hulk and would be would probably be like the cornerstone of the MCU because that's sort of because Iron Man is the most well yeah I'd say he's the most he's not my favorite character but he's probably the most important character in the MCU um, and a lot of the films revolve around him he's been in like ten of them out of the twenty which is massive um, so big big role um, and so if you had the Hulk being like the starting block for that for the MCU then it sort of makes sense that the Hulk and Bruce Banner would be that for the MCU at this point. So he'd be in like these, te- he'd be in half of the films at this point, uh, rather than Iron Man. Iron Man would just be some background character that sort of appears and doesn't really get another solo film. Yeah, so you'd have Edward Norton, but obviously when Marvel signed Edward Norton on in 2008, they were hoping for a franchise, they were hoping for like a trilogy or whatever. But he left due to these creative differences. So, but if the, if Incredible Hulk was a success, then maybe there wouldn't have been as much conflict, and maybe Edward Norton would have got his way. Because um, if you hear from some of the films that he's been in in the past, such as American History X, he's rewritten large portions of scripts. And uh, with American History X, he actually spent reportedly spent two months in the editing room. And New Line actually agreed for who was the um, the production company. They actually agreed for Edward Norton to have his own cut of the film. So the director, who I forget his name, I think it's something J or K. I definitely should have written this down. That just sounds like Men in Black. It was Agent J from Men in Black. <laughs> yeah, so there was actually two cuts of the film and the original one by the director. He's actually got some good numbers and people actually liked it. But New Line still commissioned or allowed Edward Norton to make his own cut of the film, which I think is just ludicrous. But say The Incredible Hulk, which did have, which he did have quite a large hand in, like reportedly he'd actually rewrote quite a lot of the script, even though he didn't get a credit. And I think that could be part of why he split. But yeah, say that did actually work out, then maybe he would have had a big hand in sort of where the MCU went. Could you imagine that if he, if the Incredible Hulk was this like big sort of phenomenon and wanted to, they wanted and, and Marvel wanted to uh, make him sort of the cornerstone of the MCU? Then Ed, in order to do that, you'd have Edward Norton in that role, and you'd have him making all these big decisions and sort of writing him into the into this world. So yeah, I, you could just imagine that he would have a big hand in the Avengers films, and he'd probably be putting. Bruce Banner at the least like in just smattering him in different films so yeah and that I, that would definitely be a big deal so yeah either that would happen or like Edward Norton would inevitably have some sort of spat with Marvel again maybe later down the line and then he'd just be replaced again maybe with Mark Ruffalo again who knows but you'd imagine that maybe at that point it'd be too late because if the Incredible Hulk's this sort of big big part of the MCU and he you're like three four films in where he's had a big part in them and then you decide to get rid of him and replace the actor or something like maybe even two films maybe you just have the incredible hulk and the avengers well 
let's say by the Avengers, because uh, Phase One had Iron Man One and Iron Man Two. So assuming that you follow that sort of trend, then you'd have Incredible Hulk One, Incredible Hulk Two, and Avengers. Say at that point you decide, mm, not quite liking where we're going with this, Edward Norton. This is you're fine with your own Hulk stuff, but we don't like the direction that you're going in in the larger world on your bike then maybe that's a bit too late. People may have got invested in that character. A Marvel would do that. They're not like averse to replacing people. Obviously, they replaced Ed Norton with Mark Ruffalo, and they've replaced they replaced Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle. And there's probably other characters as well that don't we're not really aware of. They're just small characters. But yeah, it's so maybe it'd be too late at that point. Who knows? I mean, those characters that they've replaced were sort of smaller characters or kind of almost forgotten characters and it didn't really have much impact but say you replace like robert downey jr now like at the avengers or even like after the avengers that's a huge thing like people are saying like you can't with these characters now they're too far in people are too invested like you can't people were talking about at the end of phase one like maybe if you rebooted it you could like sort of recast so sort of thing and just pass the torch on like a james bond style thing but like it's too late now and maybe it would be too like if you had the incredible hulk at that point maybe it would be too late then and you couldn't even do that then but who knows that's just a hypothetical but say that did happen then mark ruffalo wouldn't be the hulk he wouldn't be as big a name as he is i mean he was still getting like good roles i mean he was in shutter island in 2010 martin scorsese film and he was good in that and he was in he'd probably still be in films like spotlight but these are, they're not necessarily like leading role sort of films. Like, it's not hard those sort of like, like even in the Marvel films, he's not had a leading role, but he's a well known actor. And people, I think people would like go and see a film that starred Mark Ruffalo just because of Mark Ruffalo now. If it, he was like the main actor, people know who he is, people wouldn't mind seeing him in a lead role. But like, if he hadn't been in that, no one would really know who he is like no one really knew who he was like the general public didn't know who he was when he was in shutter island or in some other films like at that like i don't know any of the films that he was in before that really so yeah not a good time for mark ruffalo if he hadn't if the incredible hook came out first and not a good time for robert downey jr possibly either because maybe Part of his big sort of resurgence was Iron Man. In fact, that was basically his resurgence. There was that. He was in Tropic Thunder as well in 2008. And obviously Sherlock Holmes. But I'd say like maybe those things, Tropic Thunder would have happened still. Maybe Sherlock Holmes wouldn't have happened for him if Iron Man had, if Iron Man had sort of flopped a little bit. and was a bit of a damp squib. Yeah, so maybe he wouldn't have got his big comeback. Maybe he wouldn't be making his like 50 million dollars each film yeah maybe iron man doesn't get a trilogy incredible hulk doesn't have a trilogy at the moment so maybe that would have been the case and iron man would have been sort of reduced to a sort of almost background character just a member of the avengers rather than like the member of the avengers so yeah and as was saying before iron man's sort of this key pivotal role in the mcu and probably without him you don't get a civil war film I mean, you could change it, but I mean, even in the comics, he's the big antagonist to Captain America. So you can't really do Civil War, I would say, 
without Iron Man being a big figure. I'd say maybe they would have gone with maybe a Planet Hulk and World War Hulk sort of storyline, which would be nice. Well, which would be ace. So the sort of thing, so in Thor Ragnarok, when Thor went to Sakaar and they had that sort of gladiator-style arena sort of thing where the Hulk was, that's sort of the Planet Hulk thing. So, yeah, like, so basically the Planet Hulk and World War Hulk storyline is that the Illuminati, which is sort of um, a group of the event, like really smart group of the Avengers, so like Tony Stark, um, Doctor Strange, uh, Professor X, uh, Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four, these sort of people, they get together and they decide that Hulk is too much of a loose cannon, causes too much damage, is too unpredictable. And so they decide to basically just shoot him off into space so they send him put him on a ship send him into space and be like yep see you later have fun cause some trouble elsewhere hulk then goes to i don't know whether it's actually called sakar um, but he goes to some sort of gladiatorial planet trains there as a gladiator makes some friends and sort of revolts and then comes back to earth and then in world war hulk he sort of is the main villain for the avengers to fight so yeah, that would be a really, really cool sort of storyline for them to do. And I think they've sort of said that they're almost doing that in... Well, they've said, like, they've obviously done Planet Hulk to a certain extent in Thor Ragnarok. But it would be great just to see that as, like, a big film, like Civil War was. So yeah, so maybe that would have been a thing that they would have looked at. A big thing, and a big reason why there hasn't been another Hulk film at the moment, in our sort of timeline is that the Hulk rights are really complicated. So Universal have rights to him. But I don't I don't really understand it necessarily. I don't think anyone understands it. I mean someone must do. Yeah, Universal Studios have some sort of rights over Hulk and they for some reason decide keep deciding that they don't want to film with him, um like a solo film. But maybe they would be more willing it if the Hulk, if the Incredible Hulk was a major success and becomes this sort of big thing, part of the MCU, then maybe they'd be like, yeah, let's do some more. Because Universal actually have the rights, maybe they would do like a Spider-Man thing that Sony are doing at the moment and trying to shoot off their own sort of spin-off universe. So you'd get like maybe a She-Hulk film and a Red Hulk film. Yeah, which would be interesting. Which Well, which would be great, really. Because more Hulk stuff is great. Yeah, or maybe Marvel would just be like, well, we want all these characters, we want all this stuff, this is getting way too complicated. And maybe they would just be like, yep, let's buy him, let's buy the rights back, but I don't know, that's not necessarily, I don't know, that's that's a possibility, but they haven't done that with Spider-Man, so, uh, and Sony, so I can't imagine that would be the case, but it's a possibility, I guess, you never know, it's probably a world out there which that has happened in. Probably a major thing that would happen is you'd get more recurring characters from the incredible hulk the only recurring character we've actually had is thunderbolt ross general ross who was the secretary of defense i think in civil war who sort of proposed who sat down all the avengers and proposed the sokovia records so yeah he's the only one that's really been in the incredible hulk and in the mcu no one else has shown up but in 
sort of this timeline, you'd have characters showing up. You'd have the Abomination showing up. You'd have the leader, which was teased at the end, where uh, Doctor Samuel Stearns gets that sort of blood, gets Bruce Banner's blood dropped on him and, and he, on his head, and then his head starts inflating like a weird, grotesque balloon. It's really disgusting. Yeah, and you get Betty Ross back, which Betty Ross is definitely not going to happen in our timeline now, because uh, after after the snapping and Thanos's uh, plan, she's now dead. It's been confirmed in an interview with Anthony and Joe Russo. So yeah, I mean, there's still possibility in our universe that in the MCU that Abomination and Leader could come in, but um, it'd be pretty much a certainty in that sort of in the other universe in this in our hypothetical universe, in our other time. So, yeah, which would be really good to see. It would be really nice. The leader would be an interesting villain to see. Sort of like Baron Zemo in uh, Civil War, where he's not really a physical match for anybody, but he's more uh, an intellectual match, which is uh, which is different. Uh, it's something that we haven't seen that much in just in superhero films in general, really. So, yeah, that would be really interesting. That's this other time if you have any more ideas about sort of the impact of this film or this change even then let me know and it'd be great to hear from you but now i want to move on to a another section the final section of this first episode which is mr universe which is not the uh the bodybuilding competition that Arnold Schwarzenegger win one of those? I think he won that. I think he won Mr. Did he win Mr. Universe? I don't know. Whatever that is, it's not that. It's Mist A Universe. So this is a section where I'll take three-ish films that are standalones, that are just singular, singular, singular films that are, that I think sort of work together and you could sort of retroactively fit them into the same universe. It's sort of like a Cloverfield universe, but better. Sequels and anything that's got a franchise doesn't count. But yeah, so they're only singular films. So today or tonight or whenever you're listening to this, I picked three films. The first one is Drive from 2011. So the Ryan Gosling starring Nicholas Winding Refn directed film. The Guest from 2014 which has Dan Stevens, who you might know from Beauty and the Beast. He was the Beast, and he was in Legion, the Fox X-Men TV series. Oh, he was in Downton Abbey as well. That's probably where people know him from. And Atomic Blonde uh, from 2017 with Charlize Theron and James McAvoy, the sort of spy thing thriller in the 80s. So basically, I think they're all quite tonally similar. And they're all sort of about very skilled individuals. And basically the premise that I'm... So there will be spoilers for these films. Kind of in the nature of this. You can't really avoid spoilers, to be honest. So yeah, basically the way that we would do this is that... So in The Guest, um, it's sort of explained that David, who is played by Dan Stevens... In fact, let's lay I'll, I'll explain... The guest a little bit. So the guest is a it's a really good film. It's kind of a thriller film. It's a bit it's got sort of horror elements to it a little bit. And basically this veteran comes back, David, played by Dan Stevens, 
He comes and visits the family of one of his squad mates that was killed just to stay with them for a while while he gets back on his feet and um, just to sort of offer his condolences and stuff. But it's there's something not quite right about him. And basically, it sort of turns out in the end that he's that the squad and the program that they were in was sort of a almost like a secret super soldier, well, sort of super soldier spy sort of program where they sort of do covert black ops sort of missions, but they are almost programmed, I think. Whenever someone sort of almost discovers their secret and the truth about the program, they're, they're basically like programmed to eliminate all of the threats. So then he starts killing the family, basically. Yeah, and it's, it's very brutal, that character especially. He's kind of a, a stoic sort of, Kind of friendly guy, but there's something, like I say, there's always something not quite right about him. And I'd say that the driver from Drive, played by Ryan Gosling, is very similar. They're both brutal. Like, if if you've seen Drive, you've seen him kick a guy's face into paste in a lift or an elevator. So, yeah, they're they're both very brutal. Um, They're both stoic. They don't talk a lot. When Ryan Gosling also has this sort of otherworldly quality about him. So I think they sort of work together and you could almost say that they're basically part of the same program. And that Drive is just, it's a story of this other guy who's sort of decided to settle down and try and make a living from stuff. But it just his nature is sort of brutal, as you'd see in the film. And the way that Atomic Blonde would fit into that is it's sort of set, it's set in the 80s. So it would obviously be the making of that program, I guess. So Charlize Theron's character is obviously highly skilled, very competent, and there's a lot of sort of double-crossing, triple-crossing in that film. And at the end, she's basically with the CIA. And so basically that could, that would be the starting of the program. Um, they could either be trained by Charlize Theron's character or sort of they take, DNA from her or something like she is sort of the linchpin and the starting point of that of that program and it will be I think that will be quite a a cool uh universe for everyone to sort of it'd be quite cool to see them interact and to see where they could go with that but yeah if you have any more ideas if you have suggestions for some more films that would be either in this universe or you've got some more films that you'd like to put in their own universe let me know. Uh, a lot of people probably would say, will respond to this and be like, oh, John Wick, put John Wick in there. But like I said before, I'm looking at just individual films, not franchising, because John Wick admittedly would definitely fit into this sort of mold. I discounted it because it's already, it's a franchise. It's got two parts already. The third one's coming out this year. So uh, that's why John Wick's not in there. Yeah, so that's about it for this week. Thanks very much for listening. Next week, I'm going to go through a duology because I love it when you get a film, just when you get something that's short and brief, some sort of series, like a TV show that's got like, that's done in like one or two seasons. If you get like a, like a film series that's two films or three films, and not these sort of big expansive things like the MCU. I mean, I love the MCU. But it can be a bit overwhelming. And I love just having like a couple of films just to focus on. So yeah, next week I'm going to talk 
about a specific duology, and that is going to be Tron. So 1982's Tron and 2010's Tron Legacy, which I've only actually seen the second one, much to the chagrin of one of my mates who was born in, like, I think he was born in 82. So I think he grew up with Tron. But I've never seen Tron. So he'll be very happy to hear this. But um, yeah, um, if you would like to sort of watch along, then you can do. Um, it's sort of like a film club thing. I'm going to be going into spoilers with it. Doing sort of a review and how they fit together and what we think and whatever. So yeah, just a general discussion. So if you want to watch them as well during this week, that'd be great. If you don't, that's also fine. I'm not your mum. So yeah, thank you very much for listening once again. If you want to get in touch, if there's any sort of discussions that you want me to talk about, or if you want to let me know what you thought of Shazam, or if you want to, if you have any ideas for another time, yeah, if you have any more sort of impacts from the Incredible Hulk Iron Man swap, or if you have any more universes you'd like to talk about, please let me know. Um, you can get in touch at fillmeuppod at outlook.com so that's film me up all one word at outlook.com it's also facebook.com slash film me up or you can at film me up on facebook i think as well and you can also tweet at me at all out walker i've only just got twitter so i basically have nothing on there but if you want to get in touch uh or follow me or anything then please do and if you have anything sort of related to the podcast that you want to tweet me then if you put the hashtag fill me up then it'll be easier to find once again thank you very much for listening all two of you that are and i will see you next week bye